opportunity. And so I'm just going to follow the lead of the Lord. We're going to be in the book of Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter 3. And, um, I'm going to read this and then pray, and uh, we'll, we'll get going here. Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And um, if you can't read this with me, it says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with what? With what? Thankfulness in your hearts. Where? Thankfulness to who? All right. Thankfulness to God. Verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let me read verse 17 again. And whatever you do <clears throat> in word or deed, whether you say it or whether you do it in action, this tells us that we are to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Everyone say, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just... Uh, uh, begin to just anoint, Lord, this uh, remainder of this service, God. I pray, Lord, that you would give me the words to speak, God. Give me the the, uh, uh, the words that, that could only come from you, God. I am an oracle of you, God. I pray, Lord, that uh, I just humbly, Lord, lay, lay before you today, God. Lay my heart down. Lay my, my own agenda down. And I say, God, have your will and way, God, in me, God, and, and in this service, God. I pray, Lord, let your anointing, God, just rest in this place. God, may hearts forever be changed and moved by the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that someone would come to know you today by the power and the might of Jesus Christ today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. So. So I have I have uh, titled this today because I, you know, um, as you title sermons over and over and over, it's one of the hardest things that I do as a pastor is getting a title for a sermon because you sometimes you overthink it. You want to make it super catchy or you want to make it trendy or you want to do this. Uh, but today I've titled this message real simple. Give thanks to God. That's it. Everyone say give thanks to God. I wish it was something like the cat in the hat or something like that. But no, this is just plain, simple. Give thanks to God. Sometimes it's just straightforward, isn't it? Sometimes it's very simple, and that's okay. So Thanksgiving, I said this, is not a day we celebrate, but a lifestyle that we, we initiate. It's something as believers in, in Jesus Christ that we should walk around just thankful 100% of the time because of what Christ has done in our lives. Amen. And so, uh, and I was thinking about this. Have you ever noticed, I've noticed this trend in society and, and the older I get, the more I realize I, I talk about the good old days. You know, you know, you're getting old when you start talking about the good old days, right? Back when I was, right? My kids will testify to that. Um, back when I was a kid, right, we didn't talk back to our parents like that. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. But, 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 so, but, but you ever thought about this? Why do people in our society as a whole, not everybody, but most people never say thank you much anymore for a lot of things, right? I, I mean, we, we are uh, really not good at it. it. It seems that in the last, I don't know, 10 or 20 years, it's maybe because that's just the time that I've lived as a society, we've become less and less grateful for things in our lives. Amen? Amen? All right. Can I get an amen? Thank you. All right. Uh, I often, you know, do this in restaurants or whatever. We're waiting to get in the restaurant, and sometimes I'll sit at the door, and I love to open the door for people coming in the restaurants. Matter of fact, sometimes I just act like I work there. We'll be sitting at the Longhorn, and I'll say, well, welcome to the Longhorn. We're so glad that you came to eat with us tonight. And they'll be like, oh, thank you so much, and, and, and I'll do that. But, you know, uh, or I'll hold the door open at, at the hospital or something like that. And it's amazing to me, you know, sometimes you get trapped holding the door open, and just people are like, oh, someone's got the door, so they just keep going through. But it, it blows my mind how often that I'll hold the door open, and people will just walk by without any acknowledgement. Not that I'm looking for acknowledgement. Come on, I kind of am. But not that I'm looking for, for acknowledgement, but, but be, they'll just pass by, and sometimes, some. Sometimes, man, the, the old flesh and TJ will rise up and I'll go, you're welcome. 
walk by me without saying, thank you, you know what I'm doing? I'm holding this door open for you. No, uh, uh, but, but, you know, we, we, we do that, and, and, and sometimes, you know, some people will turn around and go, oh, thank you. I, I, I'm sorry, I should have said thank you, or, you know, and sometimes, man, people will just come by, and they'll say, thank you, young man, and I'm, I want to give them a hug when they call me young man. I really do, because, you know, it makes me feel good, and I take my hat off. They realize I have gray hair, and I'm losing my hair, and they're like, oh, you're much older than we thought, you know, or whatever the case, but, but, but you know, um, it's interesting. So I, I, I'm going to think about this. What are the reasons, uh, some reasons why maybe that we don't, as a society, don't say thank you uh, to, to much of anything? Even sometimes, and here's the thing, if we don't say thank you to people, what makes us think that we're going to say thank you to God? Right? If I can't say thank you to my wife for making me dinner, come on, somebody. Come on, come on, husbands. If I can't say thank you for when my kids do something for me, listen, what makes me think that I'm going to say thank you to the everlasting God when he does something great for me? Because, you know, here's the thing. You know, it's it's just it's something in our society. So I begin to think about this, and these are just my opinions, all right? And listen, you don't have to agree with this. This is right here. This portion of this is just my opinion. You don't have to agree with me, okay? But listen to this. I think one of the reasons why is we stopped raising our children to be grateful and thankful. Come on, parents. Right? Uh, um, uh, we've stopped teaching our kids to say thank you to the little things, right? Uh, one of the things, man, when we moved to Texas, one of the things I love when we lived in Texas, our kids were younger. And one of the things I learned down there in Texas, you say, yes, sir. You say, yes, ma'am. You say, thank you. You say, I'm sorry. You acknowledge when someone's talking to you or else they're going to acknowledge you and tell you that you did not acknowledge them. And you're going to feel really little, all right? Uh, and so, but here's the thing. We, we have come to a place, come on, and we've raised a generation that is not thankful but entitled. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I deserve this, right? Uh, 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 and it's not a matter of this. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me, teenagers. You ought to thank your mom and dad for putting a roof over your head. Yes, they are obligated to take care of you. Yes, they are obligated to feed you. But you ought to thank mom for making you dinner. You ought to thank your parents for, for providing a place for you. You ought to thank mom and dad for putting the TV in. You ought to thank mom and dad for getting you new covers. You ought to thank God for those things. Listen, you're looking at me saying, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, that's part of the problem in our society is we have created a society that is that is not grateful, that is not thankful in the small things. So according to 2 Timothy verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, one of the signs of the last days of, uh, of ungodliness uh, would be that people who are ungrateful. It's right there in the middle. You can look it up. I, I, didn't, I didn't put it in there, but it's right there in the middle of it. And, you, uh, uh, and it says there will be people, and it says, and, and they are ungrateful. I don't know about you, but I think the people of God should be the most thankful, the most grateful, the most humble, the most loving people in the world. Amen. Do you believe that? All right. Come on. There, there you go. I'll, I'll take two hand claps. That's okay. <laughs> Here's the second. This is my, my second opinion here, all right? Second reason is a lot of people are self-absorbed. How dare you cut me off? Oh, I'm talking to pastor right now. How dare you go to their table before you came to our table to take our order, right? Mm, come on, pastor. I know you're. I know you're preaching good, but you're. You know, all right. But but you know, and 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 because of that, we we have a lack of saying thanks, and, and we're all guilty of this, right? If we're if we're really truly. Honest, sometimes it's all about us and us getting ahead and us getting our foot above everyone else. And we don't care who we step on to do that. And, you know, whatever the case, we're self-absorbed. Very seldom do we put someone else's interest in front of ours. Come on. Right? When you put someone else's interest in front of yours, guess what? It costs you something. It may cost you some time. It may cost you some money. It may cost you something. But, 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 but here's what I, what I want you to do today. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, will you reveal to me 
a couple of things. If I'm self-absorbed, will you help me to identify that and eradicate that in my life? Okay? Uh, I want to do that. So uh, I want to I want to look at this. So here's what I will tell you. And I'm going to talk be talking about thankfulness and gratefulness today because we're coming into Thanksgiving season. And, and this is where I, I, I messed up. Well, I didn't mess up. This is where the Holy Spirit is shifting me to go. Okay. I want to give you four things that are going to help you to uh, things that you can overcome by having a thankful heart or a grateful heart. Okay. And this these this will guard your this will guard your heart and this will guard you uh, when you have a thankful heart. This will guard you in these areas here's number one okay if you're note taker you write these down this is not the the whole of my sermon but this is just part of it okay everyone say hurry up pastor we need to get through this all right all right no you don't have to say that thank you for not saying that all right number one is this four things that a grateful heart or a thankful heart that can guard you from number one is this covetousness everyone say envy envy what is that so that is you want what other people have this is actually one of the ten commandments it is and uh, according to the bible this is sin what makes it sin because you want something that is not yours you know what that is self-absorbed it's about me what I want, okay? Let me give you some examples. It may be a relationship. It may be a friendship. It may be a marriage. It may be houses. It may be cars. But it doesn't matter what the object is. It is sin according to Scripture, all right? But when we are thankful for what we have, guess what? My focus shifts on what I do have and not what I don't have. And there's this thing that happens in me, and I begin to thank God for what I do have. He begins to bless me, and my whole attitude begins to shift, right? Instead of complaining about not having a ni as nice a car as someone else, maybe you should say, thank God I have my car. It's paid off. It's not perfect. One window doesn't roll down, but the rest of them do. The air conditioner works sometimes, but it gets me from point A to point B, and God has blessed me. Thank you, Lord, for my car. Amen? All right. And let me tell you something. Your attitude will change, and you'll want to uh, there's some things that, that will happen. And, uh, when, you, when you are thankful, covetousness will, will, will be a thing of the past. Thankfulness will guard you against covetousness because your perspective changes. Here's the second thing that thankfulness and a grateful heart will, will guard you against. Are you ready for this? Get ready. Everyone say, buckle up. Here we go. Bitterness. Now, I talked about this just recently a couple of times. Bitterness. But if you're thankful, uh, this is the thing I'll tell you. When you are thankful to the Lord, it will deliver you from bitterness. Bitterness, right? Uh, some people say, well, I'm not bitter about that person. I just don't like them. Okay, there you go, right? Uh, I'm not mad at them. I'm not bitter at them. I just don't like them. Well, that's the root of bitterness right there, the very thing. And so, uh, you know, and, and here's what we have to say is, Lord, I know maybe these people wounded me. I know that maybe maybe it was unintentional. Maybe it was intentional. I don't know. But, Lord, this is what I'll say to that. Lord, thank you that you kept me. Lord, thank you that I'm still standing. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't react the way that I wanted to react because if I would have, I'd probably be in jail. And we have to say thank you and thankfulness will help us with bitterness amen you know one of the great things a great example of this is after the civil war president lincoln can you imagine being the president of the united states after the civil war where you got two sides fighting for two different things can you can you imagine trying to pull this all back together the north won, and they're trying to eradicate slavery down in the south and and you got people who are hurt down in the south and people that are hurt down in the north and the president of the united states is trying to pull these people together but he does something i think i think is there's a spiritual aspect to this but he made and you you know, they were celebrating Thanksgiving, but it really wasn't anything. But he made it a national holiday right after the uh, during the Civil War, right there, right after the Civil War. Uh, and, and he did this because part of the reason was uh, the nation was healing. And can I tell you something? When you have Thanksgiving in your home, when you have Thanksgiving in your church, when you have Thanksgiving in your community, when you have Thanksgiving in your county and in your state and in your nation, it heals bitterness. It brings things together amen amen everyone say give thanks and i think the president president lincoln understood something that this could help heal some deep seated wounds 
Here's the, here's the next one, selfishness. Everyone say selfishness. I, I, you say, well, I'm not a selfish person. Okay, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down, come down and sit down right where you're at. Right now, I want you to think about your closet in, in, at your house. Do you have clothes that you could get rid of? Do you have stuff that you could eradicate, that you could, you could easily give to somebody else that you haven't worn? Or you keep saying, when I lose weight, I'm going to go back to that pair of pants I wore when I was 16, right? And you keep holding on and holding on. Listen, it's not, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but, but here's the thing, you know, we're, we're all a little bit selfish. When, when we become thankful for what we have, it, here's the thing, it'll help us release what we have extra. Right? Oh, I love, I love givers. I love people that give. <laughs> I love to be on the receiving end of the giving thing. But, but I love givers. I love to be around people who give. With, with, they don't hold things tight-fisted. I'll never forget. I'll never forget one of my, uh, the pastors I served under. We were sitting there, and, and he said, oh, man, I got this new knife. And he was showing me this knife. And I was like, man, that is a cool knife. That is amazing. And, and, and I was like, and then someone else came into the room, and he's like, let me show you my knife. And he was showing them the knife, and they were like, man, that is such a cool knife. I'm going to get me one of those. He goes, you can have it. And I was like, what? I just was right here. And as that person left with that knife, I thought, hey. And, he, and, and I said, well, I said, didn't you just get that knife? He, and he said, the Lord's teaching me something right now. The things that I have, the material things that I have, that I don't want to be so attached to that I can't give them away. And if God wants me to be generous with something that I have, that I have access to, guess what? I can get another knife. I can give this and I can bless somebody with it. Amen? Oh, man. Oh, I, I love it. So, uh, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't hurt some of us to go through our kids' rooms and maybe take out some of them toys and get rid of those toys. Novak? I don't really play with anymore. Listen, listen, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? We're a nation of excess, but, but, but there are foster kids who need toys. There are foster kids who don't have anything, and you may be the answer to some foster parent who is bringing in a kid that needs toys, that needs clothes. And listen, and, and you should take those things. A good idea, hey, let me help you out here. Let me help you out just here. Uh, uh, if you have a kid and, and, you know, Christmas is coming, say, listen, you got this nice gift last year. You don't really play with it anymore. Why don't we take this thing that you don't really play with anymore so we can make room for the new thing. That's actually a, a thing. You can get rid of stuff, all right, doing that. And, and, and you can bless somebody with it. I'll never forget one of the, one of the greatest things that I, I experienced with Zaylee uh, growing up uh, when she was young. In 2011, there was the to Joplin tornado. How many remember the Joplin tornado? And that F5 tornado blew through that town and, I mean, ripped it to shreds. And I, I was living in Texas at the time. And it, and it destroyed that city. And I remember we were there, and we, uh, a couple guys from our church said, man, we need to do something. We need to go up there. And so we, the next day we got a truck, and we got a trailer, and we started buying bottled waters and, and supplies. And I don't know how many bottled waters on a, on, a, on a trailer were pulled up there. I mean, thousands and thousands of them. And, and we were on our way up there, and, or not on our way up there. And I was telling Tristan, hey, I'm going to go up there. And the kids were there. And Zaley was like, you know, she overheard me talking about people that had needs and people that had situations and they needed help and 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 I'll never forget she went into her room she was about six and a half years old I think she went into her room and she grabbed a piece of paper and she drew a picture and she put a note on there and said hi my name is Zaley and I just want to tell you uh, I love you and you can get through this or something 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 very similar to that and then she did that and she went and she got a couple of her teddy bears and she brought them out to me I'll never forget that she brought them out to me she said dad I have plenty can you give this to some little girl up there that that needs help and I'll never forget, I, when I was up there, we were working, and I was waiting, and I had that stuff in the truck, and we were clearing out, and I was just watching families. And I'll never forget, as very soon before we left, we were out there, and this family was, was overlooking their house. And the whole house, all that was left was the foundation, the cinder blocks. That was it. And they were walking around their house. And I saw the distress in the dad, and I saw the distress in the mom, and I saw this little girl, their little family. And I was just sitting there, 
And, and the dad's just like, I mean, just overwhelmed, just looking for anything in the vicinity that could be possibly be theirs. And, I, and the Holy Spirit said, here's your moment, here's your moment. And I grabbed that stuff, and I went up to him, and I said, hey, you don't know me from anybody. I said, I'm from Texas. I'm here to, to just love on you, to help, to help the city do what I can do. And I said, I've got to tell you, this, this is something that my daughter ha- had given me, and you have a daughter I see about the same age as my daughter. And, and she told me she wanted to give this to somebody because she had something, and now and, and, and her, his whole daughter's room was destroyed, and all her toys were gone. And I'll never forget the little girl I gave her, the those little stuffed animals and, and that note I gave to the parents. The little girl was, was ecstatic to have something in her hands again. But it was amazing to me because the mom and the dad, they were really blown away by that generosity. And they said, this means so much. She said, we, we, we know we're going to get our house back at some point, but this means so much in this moment. Listen, how many can say, hey, uh, you know what? When I'm thankful for what I do have, it, it, it makes it easier for me not to be selfish with what I have and say, hey, I can bless somebody with something. I, I have a resource here. Let me help you out. Amen? Here's the next thing right here, anxiety. Everyone say anxiety. So there's a study that was done by UC Davis Health, and it said that practicing gratitude uh, and, uh, you know, which means, you know, maybe at night you can take uh, a few moments and just begin to think about what you're thankful for in the day or write it down even. Or uh, I would say it like this. Why don't you just pray and give God thanks? Amen. All right. I'll say it like that. But it says this. When you do that, you practice uh, uh, gratitude, it can lower one's cortisol levels, and that is the hormone that causes stress in your life. How many could say, hey, I'm stressful right now. Begin to thank God and watch those levels come down. All right, but there's another, another study that was done by the Center of Biotechnology that gra- gratitude helps to regulate sleeping disorders like insomnia. You can't sleep at night, begin to thank God. Come on, come on, right? And begin to thank him, and he'll help you do that. So having, uh, there's another study that says having a thankful heart and, and gratitude blocks toxic emotions like envy, resentment, and depression. Come on, somebody. And, and, and it's funny to me. That's what the Lord says about it. But look at what, uh, or that's what the world says about it. But look at what the Apostle Paul wrote about it in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus, long before science proved it, God already knew it. Paul said it years ago. Thanksgiving will help you. Amen. How many know that Thanksgiving will help you? All right. So go with me real fast. Go with me here. I've got two two stories I want to go through really fast. I'm going to do my best to, to fly through these. If I only do one, you know I cut it short. All right. Here we go. Number one is this. The correct way to give thanks to God. The correct way to give thanks to God. All right. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, the correct way to give thanks to God. All right, Luke chapter 17, verses 12 uh, uh, through 14, it says this. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voice saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. uh, On us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. As they went, they were cleansed. Everyone say cleansed. So here we know, we, just, just so you know, if you're, not, if you're new to church and maybe you haven't heard me preach on this, I actually spoke on this last year around this time. But listen, it's important. Say, why do, you, why do you repeat things? Because you need to hear it over and over and over to get it down in your heart, right? So, but, but the lepers, they were the outcast of society. They were, listen, the lepers were social distancing long before COVID-19 happened, all right? They, they were not six feet. They were, you got to be on the other side of the road here because leprosy, listen, leprosy was, was a bad thing. If you got leprosy, it was literally a death sentence for you. It was a miserable death for you. Uh, you were not only going to, to die a painful death, but you were kicked out of society. You were removed from your family. Come on. You were removed from your family, and you had to, to be in, in a place where you were alienated. You were quarantined before quarantine was cool, all right? And this disease meant that you didn't, you didn't get to see your family up close. You might be able to see them, but you wouldn't be able to hug them, and you wouldn't wait because you wouldn't want that disease to pass on to them. And and honestly, if you were going down the street and someone was there, you had to yell "unclean" so they knew that you had leprosy. What a way to live, right? That's that's a terrible thing. 
And, and the thing about leprosy is this. Your appendages would rot off. Woo, here we go. Your fingers, they would just start to rot off. Your nose, your ears, your skin, you'd get sores. Come on, everyone said, that's gross, Pastor. I'm just giving you the reality of what it was. And here's what I will tell you about leprosy. It was not a respecter of person. It didn't matter if you were rich. It didn't matter if you were poor. It didn't matter where you were at in society. If you got leprosy, you got leprosy, all right? That's the way it worked. And so, but Jesus, I love this, but Jesus had mercy on them. Everyone say, mercy. And he handled this different than any other moment in, in healing. He he actually told them, he said, hey, matter of fact, get up, go to the priest and have them check you. So, uh, which is something that they would do in that time. And, and the priest would, would go over that. Lepers would have to be made clean by appearing in front of the priest. And they would have to shave their eyebrows. <laughs> Boy, it's kind of weird. I don't know. Uh, but that was one of the things they had to do. And, and, and there was a seven-day cleansing process after that. The priest would say, okay, you don't have leprosy anymore. You can go back into society. So, but Jesus said, rise and go, right? Almost as if Jesus is saying, hey, get up and walk by faith. Right? Rise and go. He didn't say, hey, you're healed. Now you go. No, he said, get up and go. Rise up in faith. And, 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 and can I tell you something? All miracles in your life start with faith and obedience to Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. All miracles in your life start with faith and obedience to Jesus Christ. Amen. Here's the problem. Our tendency, listen, this is a whole nother lesson. Our tendency is to say this. Oh, Lord, if you heal me, then I'll follow you. No, no, no. Jesus' order here is get up and go, and then you watch and see what, what I can do for you. And they start walking. They start walking. Look at this, verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw, they're walking along. It's amazing to me because they're walking along, and they're just like, hey, Joe, you look good. Man, your nose is starting to clear up. I don't know. Maybe their appendages were growing back. It's like, bro, you have four fingers again. Bro, your right ear is back on. Can you imagine? Look at this, verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, ah, I love this, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. That's important. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? We're not ten cleansed? Where, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner, this Samaritan? See, Jesus was a Jew. See, we got to understand something. So this, in this, uh, this one leopard, a Samaritan, comes back, and he falls at Jesus' feet, and he's giving him thanks, and he cried out in thanks because God had given him mercy. When was the last time you cried out to Jesus and said, thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace over me? Samaritans and Jews, they hated each other. We think racism has been around a short time. No, it's been around a long time. But Samaritans and Jews hated each other. And listen, it all stemmed from this little issue was who was better in God's eye. Whew, boy, that's dumb. Boy, that sounds like our society, right? All right. But here's the thing. Racism racism is wrong. And, and but, but the Jews and the Samaritans, they didn't get along. Racism uh, ha has been around. And it's presumed that the other nine were Jewish. See, that's amazing to me, too. When you think about it, there's a Samaritan who had leprosy. And there were Jews that had leprosy. And when they had the same issue, man, it didn't matter. They were together. Come on, somebody. How many know that when you're going through something sometimes, people that you didn't think that you'd lock up with, they're your, they become your family. They become your friends, right? So Jesus, he says, weren't there nine others? Weren't, uh, where are they at? And he said this, I believe, because I believe that there were Jews present, and they were seeing something here, and he's teaching them a lesson. It's amazing to me because I, I think this is our nature with the Lord. Give me what I want. Without having to show you gratitude, Lord. Right? You know what we call that? Spoiled. Give me what I want, but I'm not going to say thank you. Give me what I want, but I'm not ever going to come down here and just lay down before the Lord and just, and just praise the Lord for everything he's done for me. Look at this, verse 19. And he said to him, rise. Everyone say, rise and go your way. Here's the, here's the important thing. I think this is where the whole wholeness comes. He says, your faith has made you well. Think about that for a minute. All ten lepers were healed, 
but only one. As a matter of fact, uh, some translations say that he was made whole. This version says he made you well, but but it's rendered uh, it made whole, which which I believe has a spiritual aspect, it, not just a physical a- aspect, is that God not only healed him, but God transformed him and saved him. Amen. And, and that is that is this. Can I can I can I say this to you? Listen, uh, I'm almost done with this point. I want uh, you as a believer. Can I invite you back to the feet of Jesus? What has he done for you? How has he saved you? How has he brought you out? Some of you, man, I was talking to someone. uh, Some of you would be drug addicts in the gutter, lost, dying. Uh, Some of you wouldn't be here today but God. And when was the last time, sometimes you walk with the Lord for so long, and it's easy to do, Brother, Brother David, you, you know uh, it's, it's easy to do. Sometimes we forget where God brought us from and how God brought us out of, of such turmoil. You are a testament of what God has brought you out of, even though you're walking along. Listen, sometimes it's good to go back at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, thank you for bringing me out of this. Thank you for your grace and mercy. And it didn't matter who was around this Samaritan man. It, it didn't matter who else was around. He was going to give God. God his praise. And some of you, man, some of you want to sit here sometimes like a like a lump on a log there in worship, but some of you need to let let go and just say, hey, God, I'm going to give you praise because, listen, I don't deserve to be here. And the Bible says this, those who have been forgiven much rejoice much. And so if God has forgiven you of much, you ought to rejoice and say, God has set me free. Amen. Amen. Here, here we go. Here's the second thing I want to talk to you about, the wrong way to give thanks to God. And I'm going to ask the worship team to head back up this way. So here's the problem is once we've been saved and blessed by God, sometimes we become ungrateful in our hearts and we forget what God has done for us, right? And so I, I talked about this on Wednesday night um, in our Bible study. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and this is all an example uh, 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 of this. And if you were here on Wednesday night, you're going to hear just slight repeat of this, but that's okay. Get it down in your heart. So uh, God saved the people of Israel from Egypt, right? Did he? Right? The Red Sea, psh, man, they crossed on dry land, and God swallowed up the, the uh, Egyptian army and, 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 and got rid of them, and then he put them there in the wilderness, and he moved them, and he, he had a purpose for them. He was taking them where? To the promised land. Hey, I'm going to take you from where you're at, from, and, and Egypt is always a type of sin. It's a type of flesh in our lives. God wants to take you from sin and flesh and take you to the promised land. Amen? So while in the wilderness, God gave the Israelites three things. I want to just point these out really fast, as fast as I can. Uh, And and, um, number one, he was a cloud to them. He covered them by day. He covered them by night. The cloud did two things. It kept the sun off of them, and it also directed them in in the wilderness. It brought them from place to place, okay? So everyone say a cloud. Second thing that God did for them miraculously in the desert was he gave them water in the wilderness. He made water. He made, he gave them water. They were complaining. They were murmuring. They were thirsty. Anybody ever been thirsty? Well, God said, hey, that's okay. Complain, murmur. Here you go. Psh, Moses hit the rock. The rock began to flow, and water began to flow. Amen? So he gave them water. Everyone say water. Here's the third thing he gave them. They begin to complain. There isn't any food. And so God, every day, supernaturally, supernaturally, every morning, they made it easy on them. He was doing DoorDash way before we were in this time frame because every morning manna would be out. It would fall like like the dew in the morning. Every morning they would go out and manna would be all over the ground. And all they had to do was go out and pick up their day supply of manna and eat that manna. Guess they couldn't keep it. They couldn't save it because it would go bad. It wasn't for sale. It wasn't for to be bartered or do anything like that. It was to be used for that day. How many know that God wants to be our daily bread? Amen. So a cloud, come on, right? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So God was a cloud. God gave them water. And God gave them manna. And this is an interesting story. So, But here in Numbers, we see them going from freedom, being freed from, from Egypt, to being ungrateful attitudes towards God. Now, this is where I want to get down to where the rubber meets the road. This is, this is where I want to get down and talk to you because I want to challenge you today. Number 21, verses 4 through 9 says this. From Mount Hor, they, they set out by the way of the Red Sea. Go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. Woo, 
boy, the TJ must have been traveling with him, right? People became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and then against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Now, mind you, <laughs> God's provided a cloud. He's provided water. And he's provided food for them. But look, for there is no food. There's no water. Here we go. And we what? Say it out loud. We what? This worthless food. Now that's an ungrateful heart. So the, the first reason for a, a lack of thankfulness stemmed from this. They were impatient with God. Has, how many has ever been impatient with God? God, you're not moving on my time. God, you're not doing this fast enough for me. Lord, it's, I, I don't understand why it's not happening now. What This, 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 right? Me, 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 God. And, 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 we, and here's the thing. We, we get upset. But the people of Israel had forgot in just a short time that God had brought them out of Egypt in a miraculous way. He was covering them, and he had provided food for them and water. Being, being impatient will make you bitter. Come on, somebody. Bitter towards the one who loves you the most. You know, God loves you more than anything, but yet we grow impatient with him. He's like, if you only knew, just wait, just wait. And Israel is, is a shining example. Listen, they are a shining example, 1 Corinthians 10 tells us, of our human nature. God, you saved me. But now I'm going to die out here. You think God brought them to the wilderness to die? No. But the Bible says this, the, pe this, the people spoke against God and Moses, the leadership. They were, they were talking bad about God and the leadership. And, and uh, a symptom of being ungrateful is a hardened and a bitter heart towards God and your leaders. Come on, Pastor. Let me say that one more time, okay? Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen, I want to help you. A symptom of being ungrateful is a hardened and bitter heart towards God and maybe leaders who may need to correct you from time to time. You can't tell me that. Maybe God sent me to tell you that. Maybe, maybe God sent that person to tell you that. And they make a huge mistake. Matter of fact, they'd say it like this. You done messed up, A.A. Ron. Some of you got that. Some of you didn't. They say God brought them there with no food or water. That's a lie. Did, had he been providing food and water for you? It was a lie. You brought us out here and there's no food or water. Liar, liar, pants on fire. They weren't starving. It reminds me of my teenagers in my house. Dad, there's nothing to eat in this house. Go make a bowl of cereal. Go get a can of vegetable soup down there. There's a Campbell's can of vegetables. <sighs> There's nothing to eat. I just don't want that. Oh, so you're ungrateful. It's not that there isn't. It's just not what you want. Come on. Self-absorbed, right? You know what? When we're like that, we're ungrateful because we choose to be. And we're not seeing what's really in front of us, all right? They, were, they chose that. Then, then he said, uh, then they said this, uh, we load this worthless food, speaking of manna. Listen to me. I've been married for 20 years. And there have been times where Tristan brought up some burnt offerings that we had to eat. Twice. But let me tell you something. I, there's something I know better than when my wife makes food to come to the table and snarl my nose or to say, I loathe this food. Right? Because I know. Listen, you don't, you think my wife's sweet. If I say, babe, I don't like this. What? You don't like that? No, I'm just kidding. And this is what happened. This is, this is what Scripture tells us. God got mad. You talk about my food like that. God got mad. 
And he, a, a matter of fact, God got so mad at the Israelites at one point, he went to Moses and said, Moses, your people. And Moses is like, whoa, 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 time out. Your people. And neither one of them wanted to accept the Israelites at one point. But, but here God says enough is enough. And listen, he says, I, I've got to break this Egyptian mindset out of these people. Because they're like, hey, we want to go back. We want to go back. And he says, I, I need to break this. But listen, there's a slave mentality that can happen from us time to time. Listen, I'm, I'm just going to say this really fast. Uh, you know, one of those things is this. I'm a victim. I'm entitled to this. Right? Give me, give me, give me. I, I, de I deserve this. Because here's the second thing. I'm too good, and I don't need any help. I'll, I'll do it on my own, right? There's the flip side to that. It's like I don't need anybody's help. But, but look at this. Verse 6 says this. Then the Lord, this is what he did. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people. Who sent them? Who sent fiery serpents? So that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, we have what? For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. And now they want to talk to Moses. Pray to the Lord that he can take away the serpents in our lives. You know, I don't like snakes. Anybody like snakes? Crazy people. The only good snake is a, come on, somebody. I, oh, that's a good snake. It kills rodents. Well, get on up out of my house. Jared, you like snakes? Come here, buddy. Jo Jody, come here. Yesterday, we were cleaning uh, uh, the house, and I was going through my shed and, and the cold. And in the process of going through my shed, I found something. No, no, yeah. And, and in here is, is a snake that I found. Would you be willing to reach in there? Now, it, it's not a venomous snake, I don't think. I'm no expert. But, but would you be willing to put your hand in there to, to grab this snake? Oh, ye of little faith. Yeah, you want to try? You want to try? Is he good? Is he moving around? He's not moving? Go ahead. I'm going to let you do this. Watch it now. There's no snake in there. All right, come on, give him a hand. I don't like snakes. Here's the thing. I, I did that just to, to put a smile on your face, but, it, but slave mentality says I, I've been hurt, and I deserve this, or I'm entitled to this because it's owed to me. The other mentality creeps into is a prideful one that says, hey, I can do this all by myself. I don't need anybody's help. But here's the thing. As those snakes were biting them, they are biting them on the toes and on the ankles and on the arms, and they're just all over the place. They're biting them, and, and they realize they had a problem. And, and here's the thing. They, they realize they sinned against God, not only God, but they sinned against Moses. And they're like, Moses, let's pray that God will take away these snakes. But look at this. Verse, verse, uh, the next verse says this. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who has been bitten, who sees it, who goes and looks upon it, shall live. Everyone say, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live on, the, on there. So it's interesting. I want you to notice what God does. He doesn't take away the snakes. He makes a way out. Take away the snakes, Lord. Nope. Because I'm breaking this cycle in you, this thing, this ungratefulness. I'm, 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 I want you to understand. And listen, man, they were encamped. Imagine two million people camped in this big area. If you got bit by a snake, you may have to walk a mile to where the bronze stick was. You may be going, ah, ah, just so you could see it and live. Sounds like us and our issues of life. God, take this away, right? Lord, do away with this. God says, stop looking at the ground, at the snakes. Start looking at the cross. Stop looking at your problem and your situation 
Start looking at the cross. Look at the thing that you have something to be thankful for. Amen? Israel, they were distracted by, by their sins and their failures and their setbacks, just like we are. The snakes were biting, biting them. God wants you to take your eyes off your snakes and put them on the cross. Amen? Such a beautiful picture for us. I'll say this. And I, I promise I'm almost done. If you, if you, I, I want to say this. If you, we're going to take communion in just a second. If you, if you need a communion cup, if you would just lift up your hand, ushers, can you guys help me? Uh, if you need a communion cup, I want to say this. I want to encourage you to be thankful this season and every day of your life, not just this week, but every day of your life. There's, there's two, two stories here. I want you to be daring, like the Samaritan leper and not only be healed by Jesus but come back to his feet and sit at his feet and say thank you God for your mercy thank you Lord for your grace amen show to look at him and say Lord you've shown such kindness towards me and I don't deserve it but 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 I'm here I'm here to worship you here's the second thing don't be like the children of Israel who had grown bitter resentful spoiled titled and they neglected to give God thanks for his mercy and his provision on them. There's two places of thanksgiving. Are you ready for this? My house and your house. No. There's two places of thanksgiving. I, I want to say this. Number one, at Jesus' feet, there's healing and there's salvation. Amen. <laughs> And it'll lead you to praise. And it'll lead you to worship. Amen. And at the cross, come on, at the cross for redemption and forgiveness. Whew. Keep your eyes on the cross. Keep them off the snake. Sit at his feet with thanksgiving. If you, if you, does, does everyone have communion? Come on, a few more to give out here. Bible says this, we're going to do this just for a moment. Before we partake or remember that this communion is, it's not a ritual to be observed, but a, a, a blessing to, to be received. You know, communion is a blessing to us. You know what? Communion is, is literally, the, the, the word communion in the Greek is Eucharist, but it literally means thanksgiving. It's a reminder that we ought to be thankful for what Christ did for us. Amen. But but in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 28 it says let a person examine himself then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So I I've just laid my heart out before you today on, on thankfulness. But I, can you just bow your heads right where you're at and just let the Lord let the Holy Spirit search you and say Lord if there's anything in my life that needs to go God I I lay it at your feet today. God, if I need forgiveness, if I need redemption, God, I look to the cross. God, there, there may be snakes and situations around me, but God, I'm not focused on them. I'm focused on the escape plan. Come on, just take a few moments right where you're at. God, forgive me. Lord, I'm sorry. God, for bad attitudes, for being ungrateful. Lord, you've been good to me, and I'm sorry that I've messed up. Maybe you've been like the children of Israel, a little ungrateful for what he's done. find anything, Lord, it's in you, Lord. God, forgive me of my sins of omission and my sins of commission, God, ones I mean to do and ones I, I don't mean to do. God, forgive me, Lord. Turn to me, Lord, the joy of, of 
your salvation. The Lord's Supper is, is a celebration of God's greatest gift, and that's salvation. Eucharist is the word that early Christians used to describe communion, and it literally means thanksgiving. The Eucharist is an offering of thanks out of abundance of grace given to me. It's to give God thanks in light of his grace and mercy towards us. The word Eucharist can also be said like this, grace abounding. <laughs> it's beautiful. With a thankful heart, Lord, we come before you today, Lord, with this. The Bible says this, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus ate his last supper with his disciples. And knowing that he would accomplish through his sacrifice, he instituted communion. His loving instructions is that, that we are to remember him as we partake of communion. Jesus wanted us to remember how his body was broken for our wholeness and how his blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And whenever we partake in this remembrance, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Luke 22 19 says this, if you'll peel that little cellophane paper off of that wafer and pull it out. It says, and he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it. And gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Hold up the bread, if you will. God, thank you for this. Lord, thank you for the price that you paid, the beating that you took. God, your body was battered. It was bruised for our iniquities, Lord. It was uh, wounded. God, and in the same way, Lord, that our teeth grind this bread, Lord, you were ground. Lord, you were, you were just tore up. God, it was for us that you did this. And so, God, we just take a moment and we say thank you, Jesus, for this. Thank you, Jesus, for doing this for me. Thank you, Lord. We, we take a moment, God, to, look, to be at your feet and say thank you, Jesus. Quit a take of the bread. Thank him. Scripture says in Luke 22, verse 20, it says, In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's poured out for you. Luke 22, 20 says that. Without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission of sin. There would be no forgiveness of sin. It's because his blood poured out that we are able to walk in freedom today. It's his blood that covers our sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we lift up this cup. God, we say thank you, Lord, for, for paying the price for our sins. God, for your atoning blood, covering blood. And God, don't ever let us become familiar with what you did on the cross. God, let us always look back to the cross and look at it with, with thankfulness and gratitude and a heart of, of, of just Understanding the price that was paid for us, the grace that was given to us, the mercy that was extended to us. God, I pray, Lord, that you would bless this today. And Lord, we, Lord, we take of this cup, Lord, in, in thankfulness for what you did for us. Will you just take of the cup? Now, will you stand to your feet? Will you lift your hands? Will you posture yourself for just a few moments to begin to just thank the King of kings and the Lord of lords for the price that he paid for your sins, for my sins, the redemption of sin. Come on, come on, come on. Listen, I don't want to get in a hurry today. 
Come on, just, just take a few moments. We, don't be like the children of Israel. Come on, don't be like the children of Israel. Be like the leper and run back at his feet and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you made a way. Lord, you made a way. Lord, you made a way. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. All glory and all honor belong to you, Jesus.